Welcome to Evangel Church. Our mission is to bring people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com. Uh, we're glad that you're here today. We're going to get into God's Word this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can open with me to Ephesians chapter 6. We're in a series of messages, and the title of this series is Suit Up. And it's a, uh, it talks about the armor of God that is spoken of in Ephesians chapter 6 because the Bible is clear that we are engaged in a spiritual struggle, a spiritual battle, that there is warfare that's happening that we cannot see. I know that you can turn on television, you'll see in different parts of the world, uh, there is always a battle that's being fought somewhere. There are always people that are engaged in warfare in some way. As a believer in Jesus Christ, whether you realize it or not, does not make it any less true. The Bible's clear that we are engaged in a battle, and it's not a physical battle, it's a spiritual battle. And therefore, we must be prepared. And I'm thankful today that God's word has revealed and showed to us that if we're in Christ, we have everything we need for victory in this battle. How many of you know you have everything you need because you have Jesus today? Uh, Not in our own strength, not in our own might, but by his power, by his spirit, uh, we're able to stand and we're able to find victory. And so we're walking piece by piece through this armor, understanding uh, each part that Paul is describing and God's word points to. And today we reach a very uh, important part of this passage of scripture. And so we're going to read it together in Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 14. And we're just going to refresh ourselves on what we've covered so far and where we are today. Here's what the Bible says, stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted, with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one as Pastor Ron shared last week. And for this week, take the helmet of salvation. And then the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. This is God's word to us today. And as we come to this very important piece of armor, it is the helmet of salvation. And as I was praying for this morning and even reflecting on the fact that it's Father's Day today. Men, you've heard it said. Fathers in the house today. Husbands. You have been placed in a a very specific place, the Bible says, that you're the head of the house, the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. And I've just thought and considered that the incredible responsibility that you have and God has called you to also is one that I believe the enemy zeroes in on. And just as much as anyone would need uh, God's protection and would need that at this hour, no, I'm praying for you and you need that and look to God. Uh, that he would provide you with what you need. See, for any soldier that's going into battle, the helmet was so vitally important. You could have the best breastplate. You could have a great shield. You could have your feet fitted and and protected in every way. You could have the nicest sword. But I want to tell you, if your head isn't covered and the enemy strikes you in the head, none of your other armor matters. Because if he takes out the head, the rest of the body isn't much good, is it? And so when the head is vulnerable... When the head is struck, there would be weapons that are used. One's called a broadsword. And the goal of that weapon was decapitation. Their goal was to take off the head of an enemy. And so I want to show you a piece of armor, a helmet that would have been used in the Roman time frame when this was written. And you'll see this helmet even on the side would have protection. It's fitted right to the soldier's head. And the goal is it's protecting Because you can get wounded in other areas. If you have an area of vulnerability and you get stabbed or somehow um, something gets between 
you know, a piece of armor gets under there, or you're unprotected in some way, and there's a dart or whatever the case might be, yes, it will cause pain. Yes, it will hurt. Yes, it may cause you to slow down or not be able to move as you once did. But there's nothing as vital as a head wound. A head wound could take you out completely in a moment. Sure, if your vital organs got hit, that's a slower, uh, more painful death, but a strike and a blow to the head could be fatal at a moment's notice. So many other things could cause flesh wounds, but if the head is open and susceptible, then it could lead to instant death. And so it was so important that every soldier that would head into battle, everyone that was engaged in battle knew that their head had to be protected. If it wasn't protected, they could easily be lost. Men, husbands, know if God's placed you in a position of responsibility as the head of your household, know that you need God's protection over you and over your household. God's given you the responsibility, but I'm so thankful as well that he's given you the protection that you need and that he'll lead you and he'll guide you in every single way. And so we're looking at the armor today and we're gonna understand this just a bit more. Whenever we understand the helmet of salvation, we're going to understand what salvation means because I believe oftentimes we, we don't understand the depths of what the scriptures speak of when it points to salvation. We have really refined it down to a word that we often use as Christians, and many of you know this word. And it's a question that you normally ask of someone else or someone will ask you, are you saved? How many of you know that word, right? Are you saved? How many of you have said that? I am saved. Come on, let me see your hands. You know what I'm talking about. And normally that's one of the ways that we define salvation. Are you saved? When, when were you saved? And I want us to understand salvation really in three tenses, in three stages. There is the past tense when we talk about things like when I was saved. There is the present tense and there is a future tense. All of that is the all-encompassing idea of what salvation is when we understand it through the eyes of God's word today. And we're going to explore that a bit. And to do that, we're going to understand it in three types of use for the helmet of salvation. You'll see that the helmet that we are called to wear, the helmet of salvation really is representative in three ways. And so we're going to explore those together. The first, I'm going to call the, the helmet of victory. And to understand this a bit better, I want to tell you about something exciting that happened last Sunday. As many of you were sleeping, I was up with my son witnessing history being made as the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins became the four-time Stanley Cup champions. And uh, we were holding up the towel and, and enjoying that. Uh, they took home the cup, and it was an exciting game. Uh, it was amazing to see it. It was very emotional. Uh, the city of Pittsburgh, just we rejoice with our sports teams. Um, a lot of support there. On Wednesday, they were able to bring the cup back and go on a parade through the city. Over half a million people showed up to this thing. Uh, they were hanging out of the sides of buildings to, to see them come home as champions. Um, if you follow hockey at all, you know that this was quite a season for this team. Uh, they overcame incredible adversity. In fact, by the end of December of last year, this team was in 12th place. They were far out of the playoffs. We had so much talent on our roster, but no one was living up to the potential. We had a coach that we had hired a year and some earlier, a brand new general manager that we had brought in, and we thought we had every advantage, and yet nothing was working. And so the, the general manager made some really difficult decisions to end the year. He got rid of the coach, and he brought up a coach that we had in the minor league, on a minor league team. He got rid of a bunch of players, traded them away, brought in all these different players, brought up some players from the minor leagues. And as they began the, the next four games, they lost. They got blown away. But they continued to steady the ship and then they started winning and they started winning a lot. 
and it brought them all the way to the place where they ended up winning the entire championship. So uh, it's, it was an exciting season, but it was a season of perseverance, one where they were continually battling. And as they did that, you could see behind the scenes, if you followed them, that they had some things that they were doing to build morale and to celebrate the victories that were happening and persevering together as a team. And one of them was a helmet that they had. It was a helmet that they, they called themselves, they wanted to be battle strong through this last stretch of the season. And so they had what they called the warrior's helmet. This was a small helmet that was given at the end of a game to the player that really helped bring them to victory. And so every time they had victory, they had this helmet of victory that they were able to share with one another. And the player that had it from the game before would pass it on to the next player and they'd wear it all the way up until the place where they were able to raise the Stanley Cup in, in that great victory. And so as I think about that, I, I think about the helmet of salvation for us, for you and me, if we're in Jesus. Do you know that it's a helmet of victory? It's a helmet that means and celebrates that Jesus Christ has won a great victory in our lives. Today, do you realize that, that you're not the same, that he saved you, that he's rescued you, that the fact that you've experienced his salvation means that you've experienced a great victory in your life. You and I, we were defeated by sin. We were destined to death. We were separated from God. And at that last moment, when we had no hope, God sent his son into the world. And Jesus came and he didn't just suffer and die on a cross, but he rose victorious from the grave on Easter Sunday. Three days later, and because of that, there is victory in the name of Jesus. Today, you may feel powerless against something that you're walking through, but today, if you have Jesus, you can have victory. You can be victorious. He has made us, the Bible says, more than conquerors. It's amazing to, to be able to know that. And so when you put on the helmet of salvation, you are acknowledging and living in the aware, awareness of God's great victory of what he has done. And I want to tell you that it's something that happened for many of us at different times in our lives that we came to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that we accepted him, that we were saved. And that was when we ultimately got to put on a helmet of victory, a helmet knowing that we now are a new creation in Christ and everything has changed. The old has passed, the new has come. And so when we look at this in the first helmet, we understand the past sense of what salvation means for our life and for our past. Here's what it means. It means that I have been saved. We have been saved from the penalty of sin. When you're able to wear that helmet of salvation, when you and I come into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ, on whatever date that was, and maybe you could remember it, Maybe you have it written down somewhere. You remember the day that you put Jesus first and you accepted him as your Lord and Savior. That was the day that you received salvation and you were able to see God's victory in your life, that you have been purchased back from death, that the penalty for sin had been paid for you. And when we wear that helmet of salvation and we think about this, we think about what has happened in our life, we know that we have been saved from the penalty of sin. A way that I would illustrate this to you is if you and I were to own a company and you owned a company and you were going on and you're trying to make a living doing that. Some of you, you do own businesses. Now imagine that business that you own. Uh, you come to find out years later that you have been contaminating the environment through your business, whatever it is. And you realize, oh my, oh my goodness, I can't believe what's happened and it happened right under your nose. You had no idea what was going on. But this... Uh, agency shows up. An agency was founded in 1970, and they come knocking at your door. They're called the EPA. 
The EPA means the Environmental Protection Agency. If they came to you and they said, hey, listen, your business has done something terrible. You have contaminated the environment and uh, there, there are deep and uh, resounding issues now that are there because of what has been infected and contaminated and you're responsible for it. The first thing that they would do is they'd issue you a fine, a penalty that you had to pay. Now imagine that that penalty was much more than you could ever pay. It was an astronomical number and there you are. You feel like you have a lemonade stand and they're telling you it's $2 billion you have to pay because of what has happened. That's one of the ways that we can understand the penalty of sin is that you and I, we come to a place, the Bible says that we will stand before a just God and we'll have to give an account for our lives. And as he looks, he says, there's, there's been a contamination, there's been issues, there's been a problem that, that, that you have sinned. And because of that, there's a penalty. And you'd say, I don't have what it would take to pay that price. Whenever we come to that place, we realize that we have nothing of what we would need in that moment. And that's what's so beautiful about God's grace is that Jesus came and he paid the penalty for our sins. He paid the price so that we could be made right with God again. I'm reminded of the story of the prodigal son, this son that lived in relationship with his father and he enjoyed all the benefits of what that would mean in Luke chapter 15. Maybe you've read it or you could read it sometime uh, this week. He lived and he enjoyed all the benefits of that relationship with the father. But then he decided that he didn't want the relationship with the Father anymore. He just wanted all the benefits of his freedom. And he took all that he had and all that was entitled to him legally and he left the Father's house. He left and broke relationship with the Father. He lived unto himself. The Bible shows us, this is a great illustration that Jesus uses to describe our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Through sin, what happened to you and I is we broke relationship with the Father and we're out there on our own. And I want you to know two things happen when you're out on your own and when you're living out of relationship with God. The two things is this. First, it's a deterioration and then it is a contamination of your life the first is a deterioration because it's your relationship with the father that you were created for and when you're out of that relationship it begins to deteriorate and break down no longer do you think like the father no longer do you act like the father no longer are you able to uh, enjoy the benefits of the father and there's just a deterioration just like this young man who left his father's house and before long all his wealth everything he had it deteriorated but then there is a contamination that deterioration made him more and more desperate to the point where he was defiling himself. He was living among pigs, which made someone unclean in that day. He was feeding them. That was the best job he could take. He was doing things that he never thought he would do. And sin leads you to that place. It leads you to a place where before long you're doing things that you never thought you would do. And you're contaminating yourself. And there he was wishing, longing that he could just eat the filth that the pigs were eating. But there was a moment where he came to his senses, the Bible said, and he realized just how far he had fallen. And his goal was, how can I earn my way back into my father's house? Maybe as a slave, maybe as a servant. There's some way, maybe. I know I'm not fit anymore. I want you to know, sin has brought every one of us to that place. And most of us that are in this room, most of us that can lift our hands and sing, we know the rest of the story is that when we turned our hearts back to God, he didn't shut the door on us. He didn't make us earn our way in. He embraced us with his love. He welcomed us back as his children. And we now have the joy of our salvation, being that our relationship is restored with our Heavenly Father. Can someone say amen to that? 
Because that's the good news of the gospel. That's the good news of what Jesus has made possible for you and I. And when we celebrate that, we have this helmet of salvation. It is like, it is like, a, like, a, like, a, like something we can sing and shout victory with because it is the sign and symbol of the victory of what Jesus has done for us. But I want to tell you just like that, that we could begin to treat it almost like a trophy. Just like other things that show victory, it's like a trophy. How many of you have trophies? Yeah, what do you do with trophies? You stick them off and away somewhere and you point to them and say, on that day at that time, there was a great victory. And I do believe that many people, you have in many ways shelved your salvation. You have it in the past. I was saved. I made that decision. It is a trophy that I've hung there. But I want you to realize something, that that helmet is doing you no good sitting on a shelf somewhere that you could point to and say, on that date at that time, I had a victory. You know, if the, if the battle was over, then yes, that's fine. But there is a very real and constant battle that you are in. And I want you to know today that because the penalty for your sins have been paid, that does not make you immune to the battle and to sin's power in this world today. And so it's so important that we don't just see the helmet of salvation as a helmet of victory. We also have to see it as a helmet of battle. Why? Because the Bible teaches us that clearly. As we look to the news and the events of what has transpired, even very, very recently last week, we, we missed the opportunity as we got into last week's service to pray for the families of those whose lives were lost in the shooting, in the massacre that took place in Orlando in the early morning of last Sunday. There are many this Father's Day, you have to know, that woke up that morning without their children anymore. There are some that have come to terms with the fact that they no longer have their fathers because of those who lost their lives. Coming out of that, there was a story early that Sunday morning that came out from, the, uh, from one of the police forces that w went in and were ultimately trying to save and rescue many lives. It was chilling because the police department posted this picture to their Instagram, and it's a picture of a helmet. And this was a helmet of one of the officers that went in. And this helmet is what saved this man's life. Because as he came in, he didn't know what he was expecting, but he was wearing a helmet. In that moment, a bullet came and flung and hit him right in his helmet. And if it weren't for that helmet, he wouldn't be here as well. There would be another casualty. And I'm reminded again and again that we are in a very real battle. You see it physically, but I want to tell you, it's, it's just as real spiritually. And there are people that are being taken out left and right. There are lives that are being lost. There is, if we could even for a moment see spiritually what the Lord sees and how he sees it, we would be devastated. We'd be overwhelmed. We would not be able to contain ourselves. And I'm reminded how this officer's life was so preserved by the helmet. If that helmet was just hanging somewhere, saying, you know what, yeah, I'm a police, yeah, I have this. It's hanging there. It doesn't do anyone any good when you're engaged in the battle. But you have to be wearing it. The same is true spiritually for you and I. Our salvation is not a certificate we hang on the wall. Our salvation is something that's meant to be applied and walked in and lived in each and every day. We have to live in the awareness of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And as we do that, we walk out our salvation. The Bible says clearly in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling that we are called to do that. We are called to live in obe obedience to the word. We are called to live it out, to walk it out. And as we do that, it's a very present, very present 
way of us living and understanding our salvation. And so we see that it is a crown of victory, but it, or a, a helmet of victory, but it's also a helmet of battle because we're engaged in a very real battle. And when I tell you today, that if we're not walking under the grace of Jesus each and every day, if we're not depending on him, if our minds are not being renewed as the Bible calls us to in Romans chapter 12, then we're susceptible because you know what the enemy wants to do? He gets it. He's a chief strategy strategist. He knows the right ways to attack and he understands. Go for the head. And if the head's vulnerable, the way he attacks is to get into your mind, to get into your thinking, to mess with you, to begin to change your self-image, to begin to influence these kind of things in your life. And before long, you see that he's in your head because it's not, it's not time that you're spending focusing on the Lord. It's not the renewing of your mind. Instead, you're thinking more and more like this world. You're thinking more and more like who you used to be, not who you are now in Christ. And because of that, because of that, you can begin to see how if your head gets into your head, your mind, the battlefield that's there, then before long, things start to go off course pretty quickly in your life and you're vulnerable. Men, husbands, know that if you're the head of the house, the enemy's working overtime to get into your head, to get into your thought life, to cause compromises to come. But I want you to know something today, that we have a helmet that we could wear. It's the helmet of our salvation, that we're reminded of what Jesus Christ has done for us. When we stand there, when we call upon his name, we can experience the renewing of our mind each and every day. We look to his word, we dwell on his thoughts, we focus our attention and our affections on him. And when we do that, we're wearing the helmet of battle. And when that's happening, here's what happens. We are being saved each day from the power of sin in this world. I want you to know something, just like I said it. Just because Jesus saved you and you confessed him Lord as Savior, that does not make you immune to sin's influence in this world. That does not mean that you have now been inoculated and you can go out and sin all you want and there isn't going to be any ramification for it because you have the helmet. But I want you to know today the enemy wants to take you out. Temptation and testing will still come even if you're a child of God, especially, let me say especially because you're a child of God, more tempting, more temptation will come because the enemy's trying to take you out. And so you need to see that the helmet of salvation is not just a trophy that you could celebrate of something that happened, but it's the salvation where God is there, Jesus is present, interceding at the right hand of the Father to give you victory in the present over the power of sin in this world because we can see sin's power is evident and influential. And so in this, in this battle, in this world, the helmet of salvation is what gives you victory and saves you each day from the power of sin that wants to take you out in this life. And finally, as we look forward, so we see in the past that we were saved. We are saved from the penalty of sin. In the present, we are being saved from the power of sin. But as we look forward, this helmet is also a helmet of hope. And it's a hope for the future of what Christ has promised us, what the Bible has spoken clearly of, of the day when we will be saved from the presence of sin. The problem of sin right now is that we have been saved by Jesus. Our sins have been forgiven, but guess what? Sin is still present in the world around us. Sin still has power in the world around us. But there will be a day, the Bible says, when there will be no more, when it will all be done, when it will be wiped out, when the things that we feel pain, the things that influence us, the things that, that ruin lives, the things that cause us to cry, the things that cause us to weep, those things will not be a reality anymore. All those things will have passed away, the Bible says, as all things, all things, all things are made new. 
And that day we look forward to a, a new heavens, a new earth, a new place that we dwell together forever with God in heaven. That's the promise of eternity with God, our relationship with our Heavenly Father completely restored. But as we live in this day and in this age, guess what? We feel all the ramifications of sin, all the brokenness of what has happened because of the curse. And we see it. We see it in our own bodies. You don't have to look any further than your body. There's some men in the room. You're celebrating 92, 93, 94 years on this earth. Guess what? Your body doesn't work like it did 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 80 years ago. It looks different. It feels different in every single way. But I want you to know something, what the Bible teaches, that there will be a day that when you stand in the presence of God face to face in that way, that you'll have a new body and it won't be like any body you've ever had. It'll be completely restored. It will not feel any of the effects of the curse of sin, of deterioration, of any of those things. How glorious is that, church, to think and look forward to that. And that provides us with hope. It's a helmet of hope. It's a hope that can anchor us. It's a hope that we hold on to. It's something that we can stand in and we can hold firmly to, that there will be a day when we will be freed and saved from the presence of sin in this world. I'm gonna invite Pastor Rick and the worship team to come forward. As I do that, I want to point you to two places in God's word. There are two places that speak of this future sense and tense of salvation, this future-looking hope that we have in what Jesus is ultimately standing ready to do in the last day, in the last age, with the salvation that is ready to be revealed. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8, these are two passages that talk about the armor of God again, but in, in different light. It says this, since we belong to the day, let us be sober and let us put on faith and love as a breastplate and what? The hope of salvation as a helmet. Bible says that we are to put on the hope of salvation as a helmet. See, it's not just our salvation, what Jesus has done, but what he stands ready, what we stand continuing to hope in, to trust in, his promise that we stand today, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're walking through, knowing that he has the victory, that he will give you victory in the present as you walk through the battle, but that there is an ultimate victory that we hope in and wait on and are ready for when it will be revealed. And we long for that day. That day is drawing nearer and nearer. Therefore, that Helmet of hope is one that must be fastened to our head. We must live in a constant awareness and hope of what Jesus has promised to us. Look what it says in First, I'm sorry, in Romans chapter 13, verse 11. It says, "Do this, understanding the present time." Church, we must understand the present time that we're in today. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light so that we can stand firm. So today, would you bow your heads and would you bow your hearts with me? There are three ways that the helmet of salvation functions. As a helmet of victory, signifying the victory that Jesus has won in your life, that he has saved you from the penalty of sin. It's a helmet of battle. And when you fasten it, when you are reminded each morning as you stand and as you seek the Lord, 
that you fasten the helmet of salvation, that you trust in his power in your life and the battle you're in, you are being saved from the power of sin in this world. There's nothing that could come against you that can have victory if you're standing in his power, in his strength, in his salvation. And it's a helmet of hope that no matter what we're walking through in this age, we know there's a day that's coming. And we know that as we hope in him, we will never be disappointed. And we long, ready to see that day unfold. And in every way, we're prepared. There are some of you here, you can hear the sound of my voice today. And my prayer has been that you've been hearing the voice of God, his still small voice, the Holy Spirit speaking into you. Because there's some of you, you've taken this helmet of salvation. You've taken your relationship with Christ and it really is just a date on a calendar to you. It's like a trophy hanging somewhere. It's collecting dust. But you're not living and walking it out every day. It's no good on the wall. You need it as you walk every single day. You need to live under his lordship again. You need to return. And right now you're vulnerable. You're not living under that covering anymore. And so sin has re-entered your life. You're walking through things that you know you shouldn't be walking through. And today's a day of homecoming. Just like that prodigal son, you have to come to your senses and you have to realize that today, Father's Day, June 19th, 2016, is the best day for you to turn your heart back to God, to wake up from where you're at, wake up from your slumber and see again the day's drawing near. There's a real battle and the enemy's working to take you out, but today's the day that you turn your heart back to God. He will not reject you. He will not shame you. He will not condemn you. He'll receive you as his child back again. Oh, how great would it be for Father, our Heavenly Father, be reunited with his children on Father's Day. So if that's you, you know between you and God right now. And I ask you in your own words, just begin to call out on his name. Begin to just confess and say, Lord, I've stepped away. I've stepped aside. I return, Lord. Come, forgive me. Forgive me. Turn away. Acknowledge that you won't go in that direction anymore. You won't make those choices. Repent of those sins and turn away from them. There's some of you that are here today and you've never started a relationship with God. You've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He paid the penalty for your sins so that you don't have to walk through this life with the burden of shame and guilt and separation from God anymore. And you don't have to earn your way back to Him. It's a free gift, but you have to receive it. So if today's the day that someone's ready to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, then we're ready to pray with you and to celebrate that decision with you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you today and you'd say, today's the day, Pastor. Today's the day that I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Right where you're at, right now, I want you to lift your hand above your head so I could pray for you. If that's you, lift your hand right above your head. Amen. See right there in the back. Is there anyone else? Amen. Amen. Praise God. I see your hand up there. Is there anyone in the balcony? Anywhere else watching online? If that's you, I want you to lift your hand up right in the presence of God. Praise God, praise God. Wherever you're at right now, I'm gonna pray with you and then as soon as I say amen, Pastor Ron is standing right here, uh, right by our door, uh, going right out into the foyer and he's gonna be there and he would love to connect with you and uh, there's a small room that they can pray with you, they can give you a Bible, they can connect. I know there's a few people that have responded and so today, right after I say amen, if that's you and you raised your hand, I want you to go right there and connect with him as soon as service ends and perhaps our ushers could help in that in some way. But if that's you again and you said that and you're saying that for the first time, I want you to repeat these words after me. Lord Jesus, 
I ask you to come into my life. Would you forgive me of my sins? Lord, they separated me from you. But I believe that you came and that you died and that you rose again for me. I make you my Lord and my Savior. And I turn to you. I will follow you now for all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Can we celebrate that together? And if you made that decision, I want to invite you. Let's all stand. Church, let's all stand up. And if you made that decision, I want, as you're standing, would you head out? And Pastor Ron's right by this door. Our ushers are there. They'll help you head over and connect and pray. For the rest of us, we're going to respond to God's word today. I'm just believing there are some hearts that have turned back to the Lord today. And can we celebrate that as well? That God is going to bring people back to himself through this Father's Day. Let's remember, as we wear that helmet of salvation, it's a helmet of victory. It's a helmet of battle. It's a helmet of hope that we have in Christ. We have prayer workers that are going to be here at the altar for you. If you need prayer, come forward. If you want to worship, please enter in with the worship team. If not, save your conversations for the foyer. God bless you. Have a very happy and blessed Father's Day.